Respiratory exam. Easily assess the patient's complaint and figure out the underlying condition. Let's be honest, is it really that difficult to just go to somebody's house and with very little effort determine they are having some shortness of breath? And if all the medics did was give some oxygen transport to the hospital, that would probably be reasonable enough response on the vast majority of difficulty breathing calls. An acceptable, as acceptable a practice as is, the medics could do a much better job. Believe it or not, a patient with shortness of breath is by far the most unstable patient transported in the ambulance. The likelihood that the patient with respiratory distress will decompensate and require positive pressure ventilation or CPR is significantly higher than trauma patients with gunshot wounds or multiple system trauma. The truth is that the, mo that the patient's most likely not to make it to the hospital is the patient with chronic obstructive pulmonary disease or congestive heart failure. Respiratory distress, like shock, comes in three phases. Respiratory distress, the phase the patient is experiencing shortness of breath. The patient is able to compensate for the respiratory distress by increasing the respiratory rate. Administering oxygen makes the job of breathing easier for the patient. Administering oxygen and transport is all that's required for these very uncomplicated patients. Respiratory compromise. In this phase, the patient is no longer compensating for the respiratory distress. The patient is demonstrating accessory muscle uses, intercostal and clavicular retractions, nasal flaring, positioning, not being, able to, not being able to speak in complete sentences. The patient is using more oxygen than they are taking in and is only hanging in there due to the body's amazing ability to store oxygen in red blood cells and even bone marrow. The patient needs more than just supplemental oxygen. The patient desperately needs the medics to identify the underlying cause of their shortness of breath and specifically treat that problem with a specific intervention. Further, this patient will probably require at least an overnight stay at the hospital to monitor the patient and ensure their oxygenation is caught up prior to discharge. Respiratory failure. In this phase, the patient has lost the battle with respiratory condition. The patient will present with altered mental status and probably require positive pressure ventilation. The worst thing the medics can do is lay this patient supine and ventilate. Ventilation can be performed while the patient is sitting in the Fowler's position, assuming the patient was sitting in that position when they stopped breathing. Inspect the chest. When inspecting the chest, assess for chest rise and symmetry. Does the chest appear to rise adequately? Next, look for signs of accessory muscle usage. By seeing the accessory muscle use, the medics can understand which phase of respiratory distress the patient is in. Sometimes the patient's problem can be discovered just by looking at the chest. Perhaps the patient has a broken rib or even an impaled object in the chest. Auscultate breath sounds. By listening for adventitious breath sounds, the medics can get an idea of what is wrong with the patient's lungs. The patients can auscultate the lung fields with their stethoscope on the locations on the patient's chest, see above. Auscultation of breath sounds can be taught in a way that is significantly more comprehensive than above. However, the medics only need to get a basic theme or overall sound. It is possible to hear more than one breath sound. The basic sounds are crackles, wheezing, and clear. Strider is a sound that doesn't require a stethoscope to hear. Crackles are the sounds of fluids moving through the alveoli. The term crackles is often referred to as rails and ronchi. When a patient has crackles, this could mean they have congestive heart failure or pneumonia, two very conditions with the same breath sound. Wheezes are the sound of bronchoconstriction. The patient's bronchioles have constricted or narrowed, generally making it difficult for the patient to exhale. The sound is a high-pitched, almost musical-sounding tone. Another feature of the sound is the short inspiratory phase and prolonged expiratory phase. By estimating the inspiratory to ventilatory phase ratio, 
The medics would classify the patient's asthma or COPD as minor, 1 to 2, moderate, 1 to 3, or severe, 1 to 4. Many times wheezing can be heard without a stethoscope. Conditions that typically present with wheezing include asthma, emphysema, and anaphylaxis. Normal breath sounds sound unobstructed, and the inspiratory to expiratory phase ratio is 1 to 1. Just because the medics do not hear any adventitious breath sounds doesn't mean they can't pinpoint the cause of the patient's respiratory distress. Put it all together. Find out the underlying cause. Compare breath sounds and vital signs. If you look at the flow chart, you can see some specific patterns around breath sounds. The pattern is complete when the medics factor in blood pressure. Hypotension is more or less a relative term, which could mean the patient is in shock or has a lower than normal blood pressure. Think 100 millimeters of mercury systolic on a 200 pound patient. No way that guy walks around with a blood pressure like that. Hypertension is a relative term as well. Hypertension in this case could mean 200 millimeters of mercury systolic or it could mean 160 millimeters of, of, mercury, of mercury systolic. Whatever it is, it's not going to be 120 over 80. Cases of wheezing. Wheezing is not uncommon for all respiratory conditions covered in the flow chart. However, if the predominant sound is wheezing, then it's just wheezing. If the patient's blood pressure is hypotensive, then the medics are looking at anaphylaxis. If the patient is not hypotensive, meaning it's not hypotensive but could be normal or even hypertensive, the medics are probably dealing with COPD, emphysema, or asthma. Anaphylaxis and asthma, or COPD, are treated differently. Being able to differentiate is the key when treating the patient who really just needs the medics to start dialing in on the problem in lieu of just transporting with oxygen. Cases of crackles. If the predominant sound are crackles, the medics could be looking at pneumonia or congestive heart failure. The most common is, is pneumonia, but congestive heart failure is always out there and has the potential to give the medics the wildest ride to the hospital yet. Again, the key to differentiating is the blood pressure. If the blood pressure is hypotensive, the patient's probably suffering from pneumonia or something like pneumonia, like RSV. If the patient is hypertensive and experiencing, in this case, greater than 140 millimeters of mercury, the patient is probably experiencing congestive heart failure. Congestive heart failure, pneumonia, and all things like pneumonia are treated differently. Being able to differentiate is key when, dif when treating a patient who really needs the medics to start dialing on the problem in lieu of just transporting on oxygen. Cases of normal breath sounds. Just because the breath sounds are normal doesn't mean that there is nothing wrong or the medics won't be able to discern the nature of the problem. If the patient is hypertensive, the patient is probably experiencing congestive heart failure. If the patient is not, hypo, is, is not hypotensive, the medics really have nowhere to go with this simple assessment. Going back to the sample history may lead the medics to greater understanding of the nature of the patient's problem.